I'm Jill Griffin, and this is the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and strengths coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today, I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence and visibility, and reset your career with actionable steps towards a finer future. Ready? Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome back to the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Griffin. I want to start off by thanking you and thank you for you for all of the feedback that I've received on this podcast. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate that you're taking the time to write reviews and drop me emails. It's really why I do what I do. And I'm glad that you're finding that this is helpful to you. This week, I want to talk about people pleasing, which sounds lovely, right? We may have been raised with a mindset of doing good for others and helping others out. And that's a lovely way to be. And it can be an advantage to yourself, especially professionally, because you get to be known as a dedicated employee, the rock star. It's the person who can fix teams, wrangle clients, and be the diplomat, even the deal whisperer. It's the person who often is known for getting it done. And for many, this feels like a great way to be recognized. And it's a big part of your personal brand. And for women, people-pleasing is a trait that tends to be gender normative, but it is not an exclusively female trait. I work with many men who also identify as people-pleasers. People-pleasing is often described in different ways, and I like to think of it as simply putting other people's needs before your own to the detriment of yourself. It's an unhealthy focus on what everybody else needs before you think about your own needs, and it offers you diminishing returns. People-pleasing at the core is self-abandonment. Somewhere in your life, you learned that there were rules and you understood that you would get certain rewards if you followed those rules. The conflict starts because somewhere in your journey then, you did follow the rules, but you no longer got the reward. So you worked harder and even harder. And only after doing more or pleasing others more and doing an extraordinary amount more, did you then get the reward again? So suddenly the bar is raised and now you're wired that there's a new cycle that you have to work even harder to get that recognition or to get that reward. I see two main types of people pleasing in my work, and this is across hundreds of clients that I've worked with over the last few years. There's one people pleaser that is very visible, and there is another people pleaser that is less so. So let's look at the first one. The first one is the people pleaser that can be classified as the classic overachiever. It's someone who might be big or loud. They tend to be on every committee. They leverage their strengths. They're using woo, as Gallup would call, win over others. And they have a need for significance. And these are two beautiful strengths and qualities when they're used in the right way. These strengths help you be a force within an organization and can help you get things done. It can help you be super charismatic, influence others, and make an impact. And this individual is a very well-known person, both within the company and usually within your industry. In order to thrive, you need an appreciative audience who is going to bring out the best for you. And that starts to get to the problem. In high school, 
We probably would have called this person a brown noser, which is referring to the people pleaser who has their nose so far up the teacher's butt that when it comes down, there's a little bit of brown left there, right? It's an effort to do this to get good marks or get opportunity or recognition. And if you're the type who comes from the strength of win over others or significance, your blind spot is that you're probably misusing that strength at times. You are confusing your value as an employee and you think your value is to solve every problem and make every connection. And the emphasis here is on every, right? Solving problems and being in the solution is often what we're paid to do. But when you're doing it every time and you always have to be the hero and you have to be the one to please it, the one to save the day, this is where the problem is. So you start to dig in, you find the problem, you solve it, but you also need the validation from others to feel satisfied and valued. And you want to solve the problem so that others give you these compliments. And therefore, when they're giving you compliments, you feel good about yourself. But when you get that feedback, again, going back to where it was originally embedded with you, the rule and the reward, when you get that feedback, you do more. So you put on this endless cycle of overdoing it just to continue to get positive feedback. And you're very concerned with your reputation and your success. And you may become clingy and kind of annoying. You're always trying to make yourself look good. And you may even step on others to do so. Here are some other ways it shows up. You try to be proactive to anticipate others' needs. So you're trying to read their mind, but you think you know what they want to hear. So you say what they want to hear, and then you anticipate your reaction of what they might say. You're overworking to get credit. You're always jumping in for that extra work so you look good, not realizing that at times you may minimize or diminish others around you on your team. You're not answering honestly questions that are asked to you because you're afraid you won't look good. And then this is the best. You start to solve for impossible variables, right? In your brain, you're thinking, well, I need to do enough, but I don't want to do too much. Or I need to be strong in this situation, but not too strong that I look upon that others look upon it as being abrasive. And then you definitely want to be outgoing and friendly, but you don't want to be overbearing. And you're going to have to be firm, but you don't want to alienate others. So you're just going to slowly leak out your opinions and your thoughts versus actually stating them and being firm. And you don't want to be in misalignment. So hopefully if you do all of this, people will be pleased and they will like you. And that's where it comes from. The people pleaser often wants to solve the problems so that others are okay with us. The problem with this more outward style of people pleaser is that you tend to run into burnout. You exhaust yourself by becoming the mind reader because again, you're always trying to think, what can I do to please others? But you may not be asking for specific directions or verbal feedback. You're just in this guessing mind reader game. This style of people pleasing is often fixed when you have to give yourself what you need first. This is like taking the pause taking the personal victory lap. And that for me is always writing down and getting clear on what you have achieved, what's worked, what didn't work, what you would do differently and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that might mean getting comfortable with not getting the recognition from someone else, but getting it and giving it to yourself. You are not going to please everyone. And I find that asking yourself, does it need to be said? 
does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me right now is an incredibly powerful tool to right-size your people-pleasing, giving yourself what you need, but also making room for others. The other style of people-pleasing is what I call the quiet worker. This is also driven by strengths, but their strengths here tend to be things like being responsible, being cautious, being deliberative, being thoughtful. And this is what keeps you doing and keeps you delivering. But the overuse of your strength, in this case, let's say responsibility, is that you work weekends, you work nights because you are driven by a psychological ownership of the work. And again, these strengths can be beautiful strengths, but all strengths have blind spots. When we are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, our strength can become a blind spot or a weakness. And then we're operating from that underbelly of the strength versus the eminent power of the strength. So when you're coming from this place, let's say again, if it's like the overuse of responsibility, this person who's always working, there's a psychological ownership to the work. They are rarely given a raise or promotion, but if they left, I assure you, they would need to be replaced by like four people. And it's the middle managers and their peers that know the value that this person brings. And often the ELT is dismissive of this person because they tend to focus on the more dynamic people pleaser. If you are this quiet worker, this type of people pleaser, you may show up because you unconsciously decided that your own growth isn't going to make everyone happy and that's uncomfortable for you and you don't want to be uncomfortable. So you take a back seat and then you're really shrinking yourself to fit in. You say yes to impossible deadlines without ever trying to renegotiate. You are taking on more responsibility than you can comfortably manage because again, you don't want to disappoint someone. And then you remain quiet in group settings. This is so that you can maintain harmony despite having your own thoughts, your own opinions. And again, you do this because often you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to make others uncomfortable. So you don't share your, um, your, you don't share your thoughts or opinions. And this is about like being afraid to ask for bigger uh, opportunities, raises, promotions. This style is often fixed by getting clear in your own personal boundaries looking at time management protocols. Where are you working? When are you not working? How are you setting up your day? And also getting clear on your non-negotiables. I did an episode on boundary setting, and I'm going to put that in the show notes. Both styles have a deep need to be liked and validated. They need to be liked. And sometimes that conflates, they they conflate being liked with their own self-worth. So when they're not liked, they feel that they are worth less, not worthless, but they believe that they are worth less because they're not liked. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to please others. It, but when it comes from being compulsive, and again, that compulsive need to be liked, these people go through great lengths to avoid conflict. They can often be classified as positive or cheery, and they want to control the narrative and all aspects of their own narrative. And that's where we want to say that that becomes the compulsion. It's totally natural to become frustrated at work. It's natural to be at times, you know, either frustrated or scared or nervous or anxious and all of that. And yes, we don't want to have situations in which you're letting all of your uh, negative emotions air out in your dirty laundry and like you're crying in the corner. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that it is natural to have 
the experience of our messy humanness be shown. And people pleasers have this need to control and repress all of these negative emotions. So if you think about it through the lens of like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, the people pleaser can also be the fawn. They they are trying to often assuage those around them and make sure that they're not angry, and especially they're not angry at themselves, the people pleaser. People pleasers also, it's important to note, have a very high level of empathy. I mean, they usually do. And this empathy is a superpower strength when it is productively used. It can help you read the room. It can help you help others express what they're feeling. And I've seen empathy as a strength aid marginalized voices to be heard and to be providing much needed diversity of thought to any particular challenge or project. The compulsion is when the people pleaser starts guessing emotions of others and they want to clean up the situation before most of us have even had a time to like marinate, digest and process what's going on. And therefore the people pleaser is taking away other people's agency. It's a really fine line for the people pleaser. You need to check yourself. Are you exhausted by all this effort? Are you being true to your needs or are you acting, masquerading? Are you the chameleon and you're doing this just so others like you? The problem is that when you hang out with a people pleaser long enough or you sit near them, you start to question like, how can they always be so positive, so helpful, so adept? There's an inauthentic nature to it and you start to sense it. And that's where the people pleaser starts to deliver diminishing returns on their behavior. So you push people away because if you're always helping others, no one thinks that you might need help. And we all need help at times. When we stop thinking about our own feeling and our own desires over time, you condition yourself to think about your own needs and desires less. And when you're always spending your time worrying about everybody else's happiness and how you can negotiate for them and you're serving others, you stop advocating for yourself because when you do so, it feels weird. It feels odd. So here are a few tips that I find in general help all of us tackle that inner people pleaser. One, you need to identify the unmet need. And so many of us just want to feel safe. We want belonging. We want security. We want to feel connection. Understand where the need is coming from. And then I want you to identify that powerful, uncomfortable emotion. When you need to say something to a client or a colleague, but you're afraid to say it, is that fear, frustration, vulnerability? Where is it coming from? Next, I want you to breathe, find the pause, give yourself some space. When we were all working together, that opportunity to use bathroom stalls and stairway halls was a great opportunity just to take a moment and recompose. Now it's about shutting down the video wall, right? Shutting down the camera, finding a way to work offline if possible, finding that pause so that you can check in with yourself and then get really clear on your needs. Revisit your reason for why you need this particular piece of feedback or appreciation. And then get just get clear, decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Where are you building boundaries so that you're not overworking, leading yourself into burnout and being in that inauthentic nature of people pleasing. And lastly, again, just have compassion for yourself. Awareness precedes change. And without this awareness, you're not going to make the changes you want. Okay, my friends, if you are looking for support, I would love to be your coach. 
I'm launching a career strengths program that will help you leverage your strengths, increase your confidence and visibility, and create what's next for you. I'm going to put the link to all the information to get on the list in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want more career and mindset tips, get on my email list by going to jillgriffincoaching.com. I'll also put that link in the show notes. But before you go, please rate and review this podcast as it helps me get the word out to people everywhere so they can also thrive in the workplace. I'll see you next time.